Mana 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 this is social discasting welcome to social discasting a podcast where my guests and i discuss our lives amidst the wanton hellscape in which we find ourselves i am brandon aka brandon i hope you're well my guest is a writer both in film and television as well as a journalist with bylines in bustle l magazine and laist amongst many others and she has the substack newsletter going downs please welcome claire downs welcome hi <laughs> thank you how are you for doing me. i'm good of course i'm good I, uh, let's see, the big news in my life today is, uh, I'm getting a very special delivery of something. It should be any moment. It might be while we're on this podcast. Oh, uh, so this is an exclusive. You said something, so do you know what it is or no? Yeah, I do. Uh, Okay. So I bought something that many women have not purchased, which is I bought a device that will allow me to pee standing up. I am, I have so many questions. Okay. If you want to know why, yes, please continue. Is that the first one, or do you? Yeah, do what? Yeah, go in your. Actually, I'm yes. interested to know your order of questions. What's the first? Okay. My, I guess my first question is: Well, it's a two-parter, I suppose. How did you <laughs> find it, and what made you look for it? All right. So, what made me look for it was yes. Uh, you know, we're in this pandemic. Things are sort of. I'm in Los Angeles. Things are kind of sort of opening up. I'm finding myself in a lot of situations where, you know, I'm doing a socially distanced walk, right, with the friend. We've got our masks on. We're being safe. But then it's like, okay, now I have to pee. I don't want to go in a bathroom, like anybody's bathroom that's not my bathroom. Maybe my friend's bathroom. That's probably the max. But like, if I know she's been socially distanced. And so then it's like, I feel like I'm going to get in more and more scenarios here where, and it's not just pee standing up. Okay. It's, it's also, you can pee into a bottle. Okay. Uh, and I'm that's not even more, like, that's even yeah. more interesting. So, yeah. okay. Not so necessarily it is, like peeing all over LA, but it is Corona. Sure. It's a Corona purchase. Oh, okay. That's interesting. When you said it, I had no preconceived notions one way or the other. Because it kind of like blew my mind up a little bit, like a little kind of puff of smoke came out of both of my ears yeah. as I was just processing the possibilities of what this could be. But it's that is so interesting. Okay. Yeah. It, it's like a funnel shape. It doesn't like go out of the fly of your pants. Okay. You, you're basically- <laughs> Fair <laughs> the, enough. There, there are a few women in the Amazon reviews who were very, very upset <laughs> about that and they peed <laughs> on their jeans and like, it's like, yeah, I don't think- there's no way you can pee through your jean pants hole. Uh, I was going to say, yeah. I think that's more of a jean product more than it would be a some kind yeah. of thing that you buy. And so, yeah, I don't want to be touching stuff. I want to have what men have, which is like you could just pee like behind a wall or something. I don't think I'll be using it that much. But if I go like my husband and I might go camping mm-hmm. maybe in August, like we're talking far future. I'm like, OK, I want to have this. And so... Yeah, you can pee in a bottle because it's shaped in such a way that it fits perfectly into like the top of a bottle. Does it allow it to just make peeing in wherever the case may be more mobily peeing easier? And or does it allow it to be subtle or is it just pee on the go? Yeah, so like subtle, like, yeah, I'm definitely not going to be like, at a restaurant outside and I mean, yeah, peeing, like peeing <laughs> and then everyone's talking and no one knows like <laughs> did someone just pee 
You're at a Barnes and Noble and you have to pee and you're just going to do it in the autobiography section. But No, no, no. It's more just (laughs) like, yeah, it makes it more so you don't have to, you know, squat on the ground and then you're on the ground and then you might pee in your shoe, which is a common thing if you're a woman and you do a squat. It also makes it so you can just pee over the toilet, like in a public bathroom. Okay. Like, yeah, I would have to touch the handle, but then I'm also touching less things and the flusher, I guess, or if it's a porta potty, you don't touch anything. Anything. But yeah, sure. you'd, it's, you're touching less things and you're not like putting your body onto the seat if you just have to pee. And it also makes it so you're not like going to hover over a seat or over the ground and like pee all over yourself. Like it's a more sanitary. It's incredibly s- practical. It sounds like. Yeah. yeah. The name of it's very funny. What is you it? You ready for the name? Yes, the please. Na- it's called A Venus to Mars. <laughs> <laughs> I like that a lot. It's I like clever. that a lot. It's yeah. a clever name. That's very good. Yeah, and it comes with a carrying case, you know, okay. so like you're not just laying it around because that's also that would also be unsanitary. That's and good. For everybody. Yeah. So uh this is if my husband and I want to go on like a road trip or like I mean, I want to get to the point where we could just make this happen. Like I'm in Griffith Park walking, I'm like, oh hang on. Like I wanna be more comfortable like that. <laughs> No, I mean, that's fair. That makes a lot of sense. And honestly, especially with regard to uh, public restrooms and especially porta potties, it just seems like something that would be smart to have regardless of whether we're in a pandemic because those seats are visibly disgusting most of the time, let alone what you can't see. So yeah, fair enough. And like, I think this is not something I would have bought before this. Like Brendan, my husband and I have traveled a fair amount to developing nations. And you know, that was always something that like travel books were always like recommending. Mm -hmm. And you know, I'm kind of like, I'm a person that's like, "Eh, let's just not buy things we don't have to buy. But the pandemic just, yeah, it opened up that, you know, it opened up my wallet for this Purchase. I mean, it's not very expensive. It's like nine dollars. Oh, okay. But it's it's you know it's fully washable. You could put it in your dishwasher. Uh, not that I would, but no, no. <laughs> but a again, it's wash. It's about options, right? That's yeah. so interesting. It's a thing that I just never. I mean, I never considered it or thought about it. So I feel like it's my. It's I, the name is fantastic. I I can't get over that. I very name. much appreciate that. Well, the other there were a few others that also have funny names. The only one, the other one I remember is the Go Girl, which is kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. And but that one was less well reviewed. It was also extremely pink, and it's like, hang on, we don't need it to be pink. Like I'm a grown <laughs> yeah. up. Like urine is going into this. It doesn't have to be like cute. Like, <laughs> and then the other choices in colors for the Venus to Mars were tan. Or camo green, which I don't support the military or defense spending, <laughs> yeah. but I did. I did pick camo green because the flesh tone one it felt a little like you know, like dildo adjacent, I guess. So I was yeah. like, you know, it's like the it's flesh toned like me or something. Like I don't yeah. know, it's kind of weird. So it's like, all right, I think I'm a green. I'm a green one. I will say that I think an underrated name could have been dildo adjacent. I feel like that really stands dildo out. Dildo adjacent. It, yeah. yeah, it stands out. In a crowd you know at the very least it could be like a ska band i think yeah uh dodo adjacent yeah and i think i did have a question for you oh sorry sorry. i was gonna say i think this is not a new device for like trans individuals um yeah but it you know i am you know a cis hetero woman and so this is you know out of my comfort zone but i think for some people they really do need this because of you know passing in like a, a bathroom 
for some people is tough and i just oh wow okay yeah yeah i think it is it is uh for those communities as well but you know this is novel to me obviously (laughs) <laughs> no, that that makes some plain sense. I, I again, that never would have occurred to me. But yeah. the number of applications, like, fair enough. That makes complete sense. Yeah. I had a random. It's not a random question, but I, it's something I'm curious about. It said on your website that you were a researcher for the Unexplained. Oh yeah, yeah. I the was. William Shatner hosted mm-hmm. show, which is quote unquote about. It takes a look at subjects that have mystified mankind for centuries. And I've not seen it, but I am curious because I've seen people with the researcher credit before. Like, what what all does that entail exactly? So let me start by saying that this show airs on the History Channel, which the show itself has a pseudoscientifical bent, which I don't love about it. Now, it keeps it fun because Shatner is the host, so like... It's less serious than some of the other ones like that claim that like, you know, aliens built the pyramids. Yeah. So the way that that show happened in my life was I was working on some other very fun, cool projects. And then those projects ended and it was like the fall. And then this job came up and it was like, do you want to work basically until Christmas for the fall? Which for, you know, in Hollywood, like you're kind of like if you don't get a job. By the fall, you're kind of like, I'm screwed until January. So I was like, oh, great. I can just pick up this work. Sure. Um, it, it was a really interesting experience uh, in that, you know, this genre is not really my genre. Like, I've worked on some documentaries as a researcher. This gig was definitely different. And then the other thing is the owner of the company um, is a, a very big Republican. And he also uh, – during coronavirus i was on a new project by that point like a different job but the he like was one of the he got in trouble because he refused to close until like march like late march like really late um yeah so it was a tough work environment i'd say but so the the job researcher on that type of program so it was kind of cool so it was me and four other researchers and there's a lot of episodes like i think like 18 episodes and we each got two episodes and then um we worked with an associate producer and a producer and we kind of all wrote this program together and then shatner would read it and then we'd provide like the images or they would go film some interviews. So mine was – one of mine was Deadly Premonitions and Prophecies, which was really fun because uh, it was like people who believe they, you know, knew someone was going to die before they died or they uh, knew that 9-11 was going to happen. And the coolest part of that episode, if you watch it, was we're the first TV show to ever talk about this, which was in the 1960s. Um, the United Kingdom had something called the Premonitions Bureau where people could call in if they had a premonition. So if you were like, I think there's going to be an earthquake tomorrow, you could call this number instead of 911 and they would file it. And the more that they got, they would like alert the authorities because it was like believed in like, you know, parallel thinking or like the idea that there's a one mind that we're all part of. Um, That's so interesting. Yeah, it was really cool. And the way that, that that bureau got started was there was a very, very bad coal, like a coal slurry in a town in Wales. Yes. Yeah, it, very scary, very bad. And a lot of children were killed and because it went over a school. And like six or seven people in that small town predicted it. Uh, like their their kids were drawing pictures of 
coal falling down the, the hill or something like people called into the 911 like days with clairvoyant type type people so it's it kind of interesting but yeah and then um shatner was actually um great to work with very nice person he was going through divorce at the time but uh, fair enough yeah his- i didn't know what to expect whether i don't know i feel like he could go really either way so that that was curious about that interaction. Yeah, I didn't really interface with him much. I mean, he bought a lot of free lunches for like our teams and had them sent over. I don't think he was like I think he's gotten past the like diva phase, you know, where he's been, you know, he was reported to be kind of a diva earlier in his career, but I didn't have that experience, but he was going through his divorce with his ex-wife. I don't know if you remember in the tabloids, they were fighting over one of their horses semen. Because the horse was like oh, a really I remember that now. good breeder yeah. or whatever. I know nothing about horses or horse semen, no. but the horse was like a good breeder horse and, and it was worth a lot of money. And I remember they were fighting about that while we were working there. So like every day, like a TMZ article would be sent around the office being <laughs> like, what the, what the, there was like a lot of Juxtaposed against paranor- paranormal things. Yeah. And you're hearing yeah. about valuable horse semen by your host. Yeah. Yeah. And he's a very good, like- Watching the raw clips of him, like he, can I say this? Oh, yeah, I could say this. I would say he, he, you know, he's an older gentleman, and maybe he, this show wasn't like his main thing at the time, and so he would come to set like kind of loosely prepared. Also, not totally his fault because there would be like script changes last minute as well, and then he okay. would just nail it. Like he would read it on a paper, put the paper down, look into the camera, and say it. Or there would be, sometimes there'd be cue cards or teleprompter just because there'd be last minute script changes and he could just do it as like way better than you or I could like narrate something in a compelling way. And something that's also, again, like pseudoscientifical, like questionable. Yeah, but he's just a pro. Yeah. He's just a pro. And his his voice over voice is also very good. So he's believable, even though he's like 80 something. So. He's 89. I just looked it up because yeah. I was curious. Didn't he, seem which, like it. That's fair. He seems to be like very spry for, I guess, his age and any age. But to your point about, you know, just he's, well, he's a pro. It does make me think that, you know, he's really, he knows how to play William Shatner. Oh, yeah. And, and I'm sure he can do that in his sleep. Yeah. Oh, my other story about him is he liked to, um, play pranks on people so if he was like uh this is the specific prank because he's 89 he would um like get a glass of water and then start choking on the water (laughs) and then everyone in the room because you know like all of our jobs depended on literally him being attached to this program yeah uh, would freak out mr shatner are you okay mr shatner and then he'd be like Gotcha. You almost thought you didn't have a job, didn't you? Ha 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 ha. It's pretty Dear funny. God. <laughs> I like, <laughs> I, like I do funny. like that he I I can see that and especially the relief factor. But I also do like that his winkly like like I'm William Shatner. And that's what it all the the prank hinges on. But I also do like that ultimately it's not a mean prank toward anyone else. Uh because that yeah. feels like so many pranks though just feel like I do this and I like jokingly damage your car or something or anything related to like the show punked. And I'm like, at a certain point, it's like teehee, but that seems kind of uh, very mean. So yeah. I guess it is a relative, it's a victimless crime. 
It is, and also it's a gen. It's a good general older man prank. Like true. Oh, you thought I died? I wasn't dead. <laughs> <laughs> like kind yeah. of funny. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I like that. Uh, I did I want to ask you too that I know, like I said, just uh, I mean it's on your website too, but you write for film and television, but then you also do journalism. Did is it did that? It was it journalism first, then TV, or TV? You want TV, and then it's journalism, or just writing in general? You love. So yeah, I love writing. I went to school for theater, um, okay. and when I graduated school, I put up like these plays um, and then putting up plays, I quickly realized that the like off, off, off Broadway film, or Broadway theater world in New York City was very, it's, I mean, honestly, theater is way more elite than any other art form that I've tried, um, which is a weird thing to say because theater should, oh, hear that firework? Yeah. It's daylight. What are you guys doing? Um <laughs> Yeah. So anyway, so yeah, it's a, it's a kind of an elite art form. And then through theater, I got involved in sketch comedy, um, which is where I I was a writer and performer at the Upright Citizens Brigade in New York City. Then okay. through through that, I um, ended up selling a pilot to Nickelodeon when I threw like a cold pitch. The pilot didn't go anywhere. It was like a year of development and it didn't go anywhere. It was half animated and half live action, which is, I think, an underrated style. But yeah, know, I think that's cool. The kids did not like it. It did not test well, which I think uh. is funny. Yeah, but I don't even know anything about kids. Uh, so I was lucky to have the opportunity. And then I moved out to LA. And then when I moved here, I was like, so I'm, I'm, you know, trying to be a writer. I have all these like smaller opportunities, these little things. But I was like, you know, all I really want to do in life is, you know, write all day and think about stories and stuff. And so kind of through my like comedy writing, like I, I started doing like kind of funny uh, posts for websites like VH1 and, and all that. So I wouldn't call like what I do is like necessarily journalism, but it is like okay. one of the best, most tolerable day jobs. Like it's like I've a free I do freelance writing, but sometimes the freelancing on different years, not recently, but in different years, the freelancing has been like a full time gig where it's like, oh, every week I write these five articles or it's kind of like permalancing. So, yeah, that's kind of I just want to write all day and I like stories. And then now because, um, you know, t- uh, journalists often have articles that are. Uh, option for film and TV. I've been trying to write more like longer things of like deep dives that I think could make good. Maybe someone would try to turn it into a movie and maybe I could help. Um, so that's like a side thing. But yeah, uh, the longer I've been doing it, the better places I get to like pitch. But like I definitely have no journalism experience. Anyone can freelance, right? <laughs> that's what I think. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, and then I do like I have these other little projects. My husband and I have a production company together. Um oh, cool. for for movies. Yeah, that's uh new as of it's a uh, one year old, but we've been getting more work together, like script writing and then just various <sighs> things. There's another wow, another That firework. is so weird. Yeah, they started by the way firework not to to deviate from what you're saying, because I think it's really, it really is interesting. But there were fireworks that were happening just here. You know, I'm in Arkansas that started, and uh, 
And I it it's a thing where I I knew they were gonna happen, but it still scared the shit out of me. And I don't know why they're happening so soon. Yeah, especially with the daylight. I think people are probably like moving them around and they're like getting set off or whatever. Um yeah. I don't know how it works. But yeah, so that's kinda like my story. I mean, I do like some comedy stuff, just like I try to just keep posting if and if someone will pay me to write something that's not um ad content that's the other thing i don't really write copywriting which is like another popular day job if you want to be like a screenwriter and i don't i never really learned that so i if anyone will pay me to write something that i think is ethical and and cool i probably probably do it (laughs) just doing is the is the substack a way for you to kind of focus on more of the things that you're naturally interested in yeah, so I was I started the Substack when I was a writer researcher on a documentary that got canceled. Um, okay. I'm maybe not going to say what it is because now that things are opening up, it's like, what if it gets? Yeah, sure. <laughs> what if it gets put back up? I mean, who knows? So it got semi canceled. A lot of people out here like that's the case. So then I just started this Substack also as a way to be like it's kind of like this podcast. It's like we're all like as a culture going through a very unique thing, you know, obviously everyone's privilege and everyone's, uh, you know, certain specific circumstances are different. But at the beginning, I was like, wow, like, this reminds me of when I was, you know, living in New York and Hurricane Sandy happened. And for the first time, I like understood Twitter, like we were all like tweeting about Hurricane Sandy. So I wanted to like engage in the discourse on like a daily level so yeah my newsletter i do and it's kind of like a mix of like um celebrity it's actually uh supposed to be a distraction from covid is like how i started so like dumb celebrity gossip and links of articles of deep dives of things that are literally have nothing to do with covid like uh specifically like i didn't want to just blog about like this many people died today or like they're never going to find a vaccine or something like that. Like yeah, that. exactly. You the the anti John Krasinski TV yeah, show. <laughs> I started it before him. Oh God! I you know I started my newsletter before him, and I was like, why would you make? Uh, yeah, so his is some good news, but it's all like you know a police officer was given a Valentine by like an essential worker yeah. or whatever. <laughs> yeah, then, it's it's a happy propaganda. It's happy uh, propaganda that kind of ignores. Whereas I'm like, wait, during the virus, these Kelly Ripa hasn't been home. She lives yeah, on an island. That's, <laughs> that's. I mean, it's related to COVID, but it's also like more juicy. It's like I feel like the virus has given us a peek into like the the lives of these celebrities in a way that like you know on a day. It's Armist, so fascinating. Yeah, Anna de Ar- today Anna de Armas was at uh, lunch with Ben Affleck, and she didn't wear a mask, but him and his kid did. Which is, I know, I saw that because I, I read that today, and I also saw the story about the art heist that involved no art, which was really interesting that, that I saw cool. you post. That's really cool. Yeah. I thought that was actually just a version of that I've not heard before. But <clears throat> the thing that, to your point about, like, I mean, all of us, to some degree, I mean, regardless of how together anyone is that something like this especially over such a long period of time it just chips away at all of this stuff and celebrities that aren't getting that affirmation and the adulation that they're used to early on it was just like oh this is gonna really fuck with some people and and the longer 
it goes on, the funnier Josh Gad crying within a week and a half of it is to me. And it's one of, in real time, it was so funny to me, just yeah. in the scheme of things. But now, the longer it goes, the funnier it is. Oh, yeah. And then, of course, you know, his Steve Jobs movie buddy, Ashton Kutcher, had his, which is the most performative one I think I've seen. That one took me a while to really get get it. Like, it was very actory. I was like, wait. It was very Zoolander. It was like, wait, what yes. are you saying? Are you saying you don't believe Black Lives Matter? Oh, you no, you do believe Black Lives Matter. But somehow it in- intersects with feminism. Oh, no. Now he's crying. Uh, like what's happening like it was just so crazy I also am really fascinated in the intersection of celebrity and politics which Mm. is like what you know between uh, civil rights movement and virus they've been forced to and like you said them not being relevant or having to feign relevancy uh, every day by either posting content or doing things out in the world like they've been forced to like pick sides and whereas many celebrities even if they'll you know go to a biden rally they'll say i'm not political or they won't do anything to uplift or care for people that are lower class or of a different race than them and i think this has forced them and i i'm so fascinated by celebrity and politics because like you have jane fonda at the beginning of this getting arrested for like environmental justice (laughs) every friday like it was like five fridays in a row and i'm like and it was like it's an interesting thing and like it's cool that she is doing it but it also is that juxtaposition of oh yeah you can you have it's not an it doesn't inhibit your way your life in any way to be arrested every friday for like six months no and that's why she should do it and then it's like but then you also have like certain uh, celebrities, like I believe DaBaby, the rapper, said, I don't need to say anything about George Floyd. Now, that is not a direct quote, but when, you know, it was all going down, he said, like, I have no comment or something like that. And, like, yeah. that's, like, also a way to be political, I guess, is to have no politics, which is anti-political. I, it just, like, messes with my head because then it's, like, I think the thing to do with money and power is to use it for good, but it's fascinating to me the people who want to opt out when you can't. I mean, if you're posting all day, you're posting what you're eating and what what your haircut looks like. It's really hard to not to opt out at that point. Um, yeah. So it's well, especially when. Well, yeah. So early on too, when they had the uh, much publicized and and derided and rightfully so, you know, imagine video where that was there. We're going to just be, I mean, it. I was going to say apolitical, but it's like, it's so nothing. It's It really is like nothing. And But just the juxtaposition of that couple, you know, with them finding the least expensive looking place in their home they can. And if they're not, they're clearly in a compound yeah. that has like these amazing trees behind it. It was just tone deaf in every conceivable way I could ever like quantify. Yeah, and you can't, like I said, like, that's a way of, um, it's almost like, I mean, it's it's very neoliberal, which is to take an issue at hand, you know, the global pandemic that's, that is, was about to and is exposing the gap between rich and poor, um, yeah. and, you know, issues like poverty and hunger and healthcare and access, then, and take that issue, and instead of doing something with it they just do like something in the like 
quote, vague sense. And it's just like, we're just going to sing at these people. And it's like, (laughs) that is so funny to me because like, why didn't you guys just like make a like the Imagine Fund? We love John Lennon. And it's just a website with how much they're donating. If you like John Lennon, (laughs) I mean. That's problematic in and of itself. That is John Lennon they chose. Yeah. Considering his uh, checkered past, to put it lightly. Um, yeah, and and just that, of all the people, uh, yeah, exactly. And I do think it is funny though, just because when they did that video, that was like I just get the image they were just like wiping their hands off, like okay, well we did that, that's that. Okay, anyway, back to whatever we were doing. But it is funny to me that Jamie Dornan, not that long after, was oh, just yeah. like, yeah, that wasn't great. I didn't even know what we were doing there. And then Kristen and Wick, Kristen yeah, did a Kristen Wick apologize to him? Yeah, and she was the one who called him, which is crazy because, like, what? Like, and this is something, you know, in activism that I try to tell my peers, which is, like, listen, for creative people, that's great, but we're never going to be the leaders of the movement. So you need to, like, step back in whatever the movement is and give the microphone to the activists and say, I support this activist. But to put yourself at the center as an artist, you're always going to be misguided and like no one thinks that the former cast and crew of snl should be leading the coronavirus (laughs) like response uh, charity team like i'd say kristen wig take a load off you know that's not your that's not your fight like if you wanted if kristen wig wanted to give her social media over to like the hospital (laughs) workers to post about the severity of wearing a mask that is way more effective than her trying to like help Gal Gadot uh, do a video. Like that's way less work. Like <laughs> no, yeah. What it is funny though, because like for so not for all of them certainly, but for so many of them, it is the idea of you pitch this to them with the kind of the precursor to it being. So you use your platform and everything you have and your resources, but you don't in any way make it about yourself. And then, then I'm not going to imagine so many of them kind of bristling at that idea because yeah. they they want those, you know, they, they want to be lauded for it. Which, yeah, and there's a monetary, it's really sickening, but like I'm sure there's a monetary, like they could show a graph and be like, listen, Kristen Wiig, I'm just using her as an example. I really yes, think she's yeah. funny. I'll say that. But um, And she has no social media, so that's why this is interesting. But I'm sure someone um, – shows her a graph and it's like your Q score or how you're perceived by the public goes down if you don't appear in a movie, on a talk show, on a podcast, uh, on a photo, on a paparazzi site every certain amount of days or months or weeks or whatever it is for Kristen Wiig. And she can either look at that data, but I think they there's a literally a monetary, like they could calculate that for you. Like how oh, much your career that. would go up if yeah because if you're not relevant um, and then there's overexposure which is like the other side but I think they do calculate like you know your relevancy is dependent on being in the press a certain amount of times uh, what's well, out of sight out of mind reason. right yeah yeah or you don't exist I mean even the fact of we're talking about Kristen Wiig right now is funny because like you know the Imagine video is literally the last thing I can remember her doing. Yeah, no, same here. Um, and is she and I'm Eurovision? Assuming she, pro- I mean, I feel I'm about to say I probably have. 
I feel I haven't seen it either, but I do know that she was supposed to have been in Wonder Woman by now, oh, yeah. playing Cheetah. That's I think so. I'm assuming that's I mean that's how you know that's how she knows Gal Gadot. I mean, I would assume, but obviously I've not seen it. But um, right. oh, yeah, she, here's here's what she was in the press for last. I re- okay. just remembered this last week. It came out. But she wasn't, it wasn't her coming out. It was like a source next to, um, Chris, near Kristen Wiggs said that she had twins in January and everyone was like, wait, with who? Who's she with? Because she doesn't have social media. And then this- Is she married, right? She is a fiance. Um, Okay. And then this week they did some paparazzi walking- uh, with the twins in like baby Bjorn, like out in the park uh, <laughs> yeah. here. And so that is like definitely that was like now that we're talking about it, not to be super conspiratorial, but like she's she needs it would have been her on Fallon promoting Wonder Woman. But yes. because she's not and because she has no social media and she doesn't self generate uh, press, now her probably her publicist was like, you need to go take a walk with those twins because the secret's out about the twins and the secret's out about, I don't know if it was secret, but like lesser known that you have like a man. Um, so it's got to be, she's got to be in the news cycle. Yeah. She has to be back yeah, in the news yeah. cycle in some capacity. And, yeah, and, and in a way easier. that's not, yeah. It's easier if you have social media because you can just do it. You can do a post, you can do a Josh Gad video. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, he, uh, it's funny. I, in the last like two, three weeks, I've just started posting photos of him and just making jokes. And not, I mean, I'm not really against him. I find him pretty like, he's like a theater kid to me. And he's kind of, he can be a bit much, which is fine. But I didn't realize that if you Google his name and search anything, he has photos for everything. It's truly extraordinary how many gad, there is a gad photo for everything. And yeah. I can't recommend enough what just going down that rabbit hole it's amazing well i have one josh gad story um i think i'm ready oh, to tell please. it in a pub in a public okay forum. okay so i was a writer's pa on south park uh so writer's pa is you basically get lunch for the writers um and josh gad is a frequent contributor to south park um i did yeah. not know that he is because he is a well most of the Male comics who do guest spots like Bill Hader often do guest writing or contributing writing to these episodes. And this was like three years ago. And um, the first day he came – I didn't work there very long. I worked there for a couple months because I was a temp for someone's child who actually had the job. uh, And they thought it would be good to bring one woman (laughs) – I was like the only lower level woman in the entire building of like 60 people. (laughs) And I'm white. So it's important. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. And (laughs) so I was like this kid's temp because he was kind of uh, not, uh, you know, he didn't, he wasn't super grateful for the opportunity. He wasn't as grateful as I was. Um, And so it was a tough job. Okay. And on one of my first days, uh, Josh Gad uh, was there in the kitchen and I was like cleaning the kitchen and he told a story about going to go see um, the Book of Mormon, like the Book of Mormon cast because he was in Book of Mormon on Broadway. Yeah, the original cast, right? Yeah. The original and the 
touring company of Book of Mormon was here in LA at the time. And he was like, okay. oh, I went to go, you know, I have comp tickets to this show. And then he told this story that was like, he, sh- like, let me give you the bullet points of the story. The story was okay. he showed up late. They didn't know who he was. He had to explain that he was in the original cast. Like, it was like a very, like, don't you know who I am? And then ultimately, I got to go backstage, but I missed some song that I like. Like, okay, that's the story. But then, peppered in the story, he was doing the accent of the doorman. And it was a um, Middle Eastern uh, accent that was offensive, I would say. Uh, My jaw was very open. yeah, it was uh and I think it was him trying to be you know, he's coming into an animated show where funny voices are how you yeah. get more more uh time or more episodes and it, you know with Hank Azaria playing a poo maybe at the time he did, this was only like 3 years ago and, and with Hank Azaria playing a poo maybe he didn't think it was so bad but I was sure. The problem with the poo, the show, the documentary had already come out by this point, um, by the way. And so I, my, you know, my mouth was wide open as I was like doing the dishes. Um, I can't and, imagine. Yeah. Yeah. And I was just like, so listen, like for people listening to this, like, I don't think Josh Gad is like canceled because like I overheard a story and this was a few years ago. Like, don't go after him. But I, I also think like a rule of thumb is if someone is very performatively woke on their socials and they're a famous person, there might be a less uh, authentic person <laughs> behind Interesting. that. Interesting. Maybe an, a, a bit of a open overcompensation factor. Yeah, and like it made me be like, wait, what the f-? – because I was like excited to um, maybe meet him. You know, I was like a lowly person, so I was like, you know – I'm not going to meet, yeah. you know, I'm probably not going to meet him, but I I saw him in Book of Mormon on Broadway. Like, I really thought, you know, was a fan of his. And then I was like, oh, my God, I, I think I I think I can't meet him. Like, this story is offensive to me. And, like, why is it so hard to know? Like, I don't know. I know that doing a, a, a voice of a person of a different – culture who english is maybe not their first language is is really wrong and like it's like yeah it was, no, it was Im- tr- tricky yeah it's tricky it's a spicy story right yeah no i am <laughs> look i am so glad that gad came up just in general but let alone that i mean i obviously i never had expectations of any of it going to that place but i'm fascinated by that and kind of the ripple effects in my mind of whatever my perception of him is or was that's fascinating. So it kind of makes sense, though, doesn't it? In a way, like, it, yeah, it does actually. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh man, got that exclusive gad content. Thank you. At least, in, real- anyone listening to this, please do not try to cancel him. It will only hurt my <laughs> career. Please. No, 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 no. This is a no cancellation zone for jo- zone for Josh Gad, as far as I'm concerned. Well, you know what? That that's a hell of a way to end. So thank you, Th- thank you for your time. Like I really appreciate it, and I love the conversation. Yeah, it's a blast. Yes, so fun. Anything uh, you want to plug before we get out of here? So my newsletter is free. It's five days a week if you can, well, mostly five days a week unless I get lazy. But if your inbox can handle that, uh, it's at goingdowns.substack.com. And I'm sure it'll be on the show notes or whatever you want to 
Yeah, I'll put it out put there it up for there? sure. Uh, awesome. It's great. I really like it. I, I um, I read it whenever I can, and it's really good. It reminds me of, it reminds me especially like of the kind of the combination of all the different celeb news and stuff. It does remind me of when I read Defamer when yeah. it was out. Just those, and I like that a lot. I just like all the miscellaneous information like that quite a bit. Thank you, and it's a good way to you know take your mind off of and just laugh because. You know, it's it's a serious, it's an unfunny time. Like I thought my funny bone was broken yeah. uh, for a little bit uh, there. And just, I think it's good to remember that there is stupidity still in the world and, and ludicrousness and all that stuff. Still, it's still okay to laugh at that stuff. <laughs> Could not agree more, 100%. Just uh, thank you everybody for listening. Just be safe out there. Be safe, stay safe, be kind, be well. And thank you again. Goodbye. Bye. Thank you.